What's up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to be giving you guys my thoughts on Alabama surviving Texas, give you guys my reaction and analysis on the game. Also, we have to talk about Appalachian State pulling off a shocking upset, defeating Texas A&M 17-14. And lastly, I'm going to be telling you guys why I feel Jimbo Fisher is holding back Texas A&M football. If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram at JT Sports underscore and on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. Lastly, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel if you haven't already. Alabama survived Texas, beating the Longhorns 20 to 19. And let's be honest, I don't think nobody, even Longhorns fans, expected this game to even be close. And you look at Texas. This team was a 20 and a half point underdog heading into this matchup. You know, the question that we were all asking for the whole entire week was, can Texas keep this game close? Most of us were not asking can Texas win this game? It was, can Texas keep the game close? And then you have Texas who comes into the game and all of a sudden they look like one of the best teams in college football. Quinn Ewers, if he never got injured, I feel Texas would have won this game because this guy was on absolute fire this dude was making some of the craziest throws that I have ever seen a college quarterback make Quinn Ewers was making NFL elite level throws and when he got injured I really got I got the breath taken out of my stomach or the air taken out of my lungs however you want to word it because I just knew from that point Alabama was going to find a way to win the game. Now, Hudson Card didn't play bad. As a matter of fact, Hudson Card played pretty well because you look at Alabama's defensive line with Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and company, they were getting pressure on Hudson Card on a good amount of occasions. However, Hudson Card, I feel, did a good job at making pretty good decisions. The only thing I felt hut Hudson Card in Texas in the end was the fact that he couldn't push the ball downfield like Quinn Ewers could. He couldn't make those hard NFL-level throws that Quinn Ewers could have made. So when you look at Hudson Card, I feel he had a pretty good showing in this game. But overall, the reason why Alabama found the way to win this game in the end and why Texas lost was because of Bryce Young. And that's why I feel if Quinn Ewers would have played the whole entire game and never gotten hurt, Texas would have won because the difference between Beating a team like Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State is quarterback play. You're not going to be Alabama 
with terrible quarterback play. You're going to need elite or crazy historic level quarterback play when it comes to taking down Alabama. And Hudson Card played good, but he didn't play great. When you think about all of the teams who have been in Alabama in the past, they all had very good performances from their quarterbacks. And some even had historical level performances from their quarterback. And it's not like you need a great quarterback to beat Alabama, but you do need a great performance from your quarterback when you do play Alabama if you want to beat them. And I think for Hudson Card, there were moments in this game where he just came up a little bit too small. And for Texas, you know, their defense deserves a huge round of applause because they were outstanding in this game. The most impressive play that Texas had on defense to me was when they got that big fourth and one stop late in the fourth quarter that led to Texas going ahead and getting that field goal, which put them in the lead 19 to 17. And I was really surprised at how well Texas secondary played against the passing attack of Alabama because Alabama is absolutely loaded at every single position. When you look at the wide receiver position, absolutely nasty. Their offensive line didn't play all that well in this game. And I think that Texas defensive line was one of the biggest keys for why this game was so close. And then on top of that, you look at the fact that Alabama could never really get in sync until when it mattered the most. Bryce Young at one point had under 100 yards passing, at least going into the third quarter, if I can remember correctly. That's a statistic that I never thought I would see pop up on my television screen because Bryce Young and this Alabama offense, at least when you look at them on paper, have the most talented offense in all of college football. And the fact that they struggled the way they did against Texas is, I feel, a big testament to the game plan and the preparation that the defensive coordinator for Texas and his whole entire staff put together was absolutely fantastic. And if you're a Bama fan, you're going to say, well, JT, the play calling from Bill O'Brien was not great. And that is fair. You know, there were a couple of plays that I definitely feel Bill O'Brien definitely wish he could have back. But there are a lot of plays that all play callers feel they could have back. Same thing with Steve Sarkeesian. There are a good amount of plays that he wishes he could have had back. And I feel his play calling late in the game could have been a lot better. But I honestly just feel like you can't put the blame fully on Bill O'Brien. And you can't put the blame fully on Alabama's defensive coordinator neither. You got to put the blame on Nick Saban. You can put, you can say all you want to about Bill O'Brien and his play calling, but Nick Saban, you know, this was the first time in my whole entire life watching college football that I can remember an Alabama team going into a game where they didn't look disciplined and they didn't look prepared. Alabama had 15 penalties in this game. 
And a lot of these penalties were were penalties that could have been avoided. And then on top of that, you had my guy Kool-Aid McKinstry. He didn't really have a great game. You know, they were picking on him a good bunch. It's just, when you look at the preparation of Alabama, it has to be put in question into this game. And, you know, I know some Bama fans are going to get upset. And they're probably going to say, JT, how dare you criticize Nick Saban, the GOAT. But I just feel like Nick Saban and Alabama were overlooking Texas. And they got shocked in the mouth. Okay? Or not shocked. They got punched in the mouth. Because Texas played one of the best games that I have seen that program played in a decade. And I wasn't watching college football back in the 2000s and whatnot. But Texas played phenomenally and you look at Alabama the fact that that defense still wasn't really looking all that great against Hudson Carr Texas backup quarterback you know I have more questions about Alabama coming out of this game than I do Texas and I guess that's because my expectations for Alabama were way more higher compared to the expectations that I had for Texas coming into this game. But you know, for Alabama, it's just that you looked at this team on paper and all of the superstars that they acquired from the transfer portal. You look at how dominant they looked against Utah State. You just expected a more dominant when you expected a more dominant performance Alabama out of Alabama. And even if this was going to be a close game, you know, you never really felt like Alabama was in control of this game. You know, there has been a lot of occasions where Alabama was in a tough game, but yet they still somewhat felt in control. But yet in this game, Alabama at no point in this game really felt in control. Texas really had their foots on Alabama's neck all the way to the end. And I think for Texas, you know, another reason why you lost this game is because you couldn't, deliver the fatal blow to Alabama. You know, for all of my Mortal Kombat fans out there, if you ever played Mortal Kombat games, whenever you have your opponent on the ropes, you'll have the finish him pop up, and that's when you can hit your finisher. Texas could never deliver the finisher to Alabama. You know, and they allowed Alabama to stay in this game all the way into the very final minutes. And that's something that you cannot allow to happen when you're facing a team like Alabama. Because teams like Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson, you know, when you play them, it seems like they have like this little trapdoor button. And the trapdoor button is a glitch in the game that allows them to just find ways to get back into games and to win games that you feel they should have lost. 
Because if you were to ask anybody right now, who played better in that game? Everybody would say Texas. And I know that sounds weird to say a team that lost played better, but that's just outright truth. But I just feel like when you're trying to beat Alabama, you have to not allow them to use that trapdoor button. And Texas allowed them to use that trapdoor button because you gave Bryce Young with the mechanism change to operate. You gave Alabama and this offense just way too much time. And, you know, you can allow Alabama to win the game. You have to win the game. And for Texas, I definitely feel like Steve Sarkeesian, if he was to ask which unit would he rather have had on the field to win the game, the defense or the offense, I'm pretty sure he'd rather have had the offense out there. Now, I could be wrong because the defense was having a really outstanding game, but at the same time, it's just with Texas, they just were never able to go out there and make the big plays that you needed to make to truly pull off this upset. In the big moments of this game, they weren't able to deliver. Now, they did deliver on some big moments. You know, the fourth and one stop was huge. That put them up and making that field goal was extremely huge because you know how kicking is in football nowadays. Shoot, you give a kicker 10 yards to make the field goal, he still finds a way to miss it. So, for Texas, you just... There were just a couple of big moments that you missed out on. Meanwhile, when you look at Appalachian State, and we're about to talk about them a little bit later on this episode of the podcast, they delivered on almost every single big moment. And when you look at Appalachian State, their upset wasn't a blowout or anything like that. It was tightly contested. It was a 17-14 win. It wasn't pretty, but Appalachian State, you know, delivered on all of the opportunities that they had in the big moments. And that's something that Texas simply did not do in this game. However, I just still in the end strongly believe that if Quinn Ewers would have played in this game for its entirety, Texas would have won. Because Alabama simply, I feel, had no answers for Quinn Ewers. And when Quinn Ewers, before he went down, that dude was on fire. That dude was red hot. And the throws he was making were absolutely insane. The ball placement, the the accuracy, the timing. And he's going to be missing a significant amount of time. He may not even play this season. And I'm really sad about it because I really want to see more Queen Ewers. But you guys let me know your thoughts on this game, your reaction, your analysis. Why do you guys feel Texas lost? Leave it down in the comment section down below. And when we talk about players of the game, and of course for Alabama, we're going to give it to Bryce Young because he didn't play his best game. But he definitely delivered when it mattered the most in the fourth quarter. 
He had a touchdown when he was like running around. He hit Jameer Gibbs in the red zone. He, of course, we remember that big play was pretty much won the game for Alabama. He broke out of that sack late in the fourth quarter, setting up Alabama in field goal range, which they would eventually go on to win the game off that field goal. But you also have to talk about Jameer Gibbs. And you know, Jameer Gibbs didn't have a great performance on the ground. Texas defensive line was pretty good. But Jameer Gibbs was really big in the passing game for Alabama. He had nine receptions for 74 receiving yards. And he pretty much was Alabama's best receiver. And he's only a running back. So for Jameer Gibbs, man, I don't think enough people are talking about his performance and how big he was for Alabama sniffing out this one. Will Anderson, you know, even he showed up in this game. He had a big sack. So for Alabama... Your three big star players delivered when you needed them to deliver in the biggest moments. And that's all you can really ask for. But if you're Nick Saban, you know, you're definitely not happy about this. And if you're Steve Sarkeesian, you and your team right now, you're hurting from this. But I'm really intrigued and in seeing, you know, how Texas performs for the rest of the year. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Texas A&M gets upset by Appalachian State. And oh my God, this was a disaster for Texas A&M football on all levels. They paid Appalachian State $1.5 million to play them. Not only that, but they were a 19-point favorite going into this matchup. But you want to know what else is crazy? Did you know... Texas A&M had 56 combined four or five star scholarship players on their roster. Do you know how many five and four star players Appalachian State has on their roster? One. And when you look at this game, I really feel like there's no way you can say Texas A&M didn't lose this game. And props to Appalachian State for the win. They played a very good game. But for Texas A&M, they really shot themselves in the foot. And of course, we can all point the finger at Jimbo Fisher. And we will point the finger at Jimbo Fisher because Jimbo, what the hell, man? The play calling has to change. Texas A&M, only ran two plays in Appalachian State territory in this game until their final drive. So prior to their last drive in this ball game, they only ran two plays that were in Appalachian State territory. That's crazy. They only had 89 rushing yards. And you want to know what was more ridiculous? The lack of production that Texas A&M had in the passing game. It's pretty obvious that Haynes King is not a great passer of the football. And Max Johnson is. And the thing with Jimbo Fisher is that I'm guessing the decision why he went with Haynes King over Max Johnson was because he wanted more athleticism at the quarterback position. I can understand that. But at the same time, having a quarterback 
that is a good passer but may not be a great athlete is never a negative. Because anytime you have a quarterback who can throw the football, it's always a plus. Because at the end of the day, the games that you win or lose are going to be decided by how effectively you can throw the football through the air. Not all the time by how great you are on the ground. You still got to put the ball in the air eventually. And for Max Johnson, I think that he is a better passer of the football than Haynes King. And he should be the starting quarterback. And not just that, but we act like Max Johnson can't run the football at all. Max Johnson is a way better athlete and has way more mobility than what a lot of people give him credit for. I think Jimbo Fisher should go back and reevaluate the quarterback position. Because there's no way after the last two weeks of AM football that we've watched that you can possibly justify to us that Haynes King right now looks to be a better option than Max Johnson. And Max Johnson also is a proven quarterback. Last year for LSU, he wasn't great, but he was pretty good. So you also have somebody who has tons of experience. You know, I just don't really understand what's going on with this whole Haynes King thing. I think for Jimbo, Max Johnson gives you a better chance to win. But there's a reason why I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to be a head coach. Why I get paid money to talk to you guys. And why you guys listen to me. But I just think it's pretty obvious that Haynes King is not it at quarterback. And playing Miami this week, you definitely are going to need more out of the quarterback position. And then Appalachian State just did whatever they wanted to up front against AM. And it's really odd because AM has probably the most talented defensive line in college football. I mean, they are absolutely loaded up front. But Appalachian State had 181 rushing yards. And Texas A&M only had 89. And the fact that Appalachian State was on the field for 41 minutes and 29 seconds compared to Texas A&M only being on the field for 18 minutes and 17 seconds, it was just body blow after body blow. And it doesn't matter how much talent and how much depth you have. Eventually, if you're on the field for a... A lot of plays and a lot of downs. You're going to get tired. You're going to get weared down. And that's kind of what happened to Texas A&M in this game. Because Appalachian State, they didn't really do anything impressive on offense, at least in my opinion. But they made big plays in the most crucial moments of the game. And then Texas A&M had seven penalties and two fumbles. Appalachian State had no turnovers and only had five penalties, two less penalties than what Texas A&M had. And that's a perfect recipe for cooking up upset. You got to make sure that you have less turnovers, that you commit less penalties. You got to be more disciplined. And on top of that, you got to make sure that you're able to execute in the biggest moments. And there were still... Plenty of opportunities for Texas A&M to win this game. But Appalachian State was able to capitalize. 
And Texas A&M, unfortunately, suffered the upset. And it's really disappointing to be a Texas A&M fan right now. Because you always have these high expectations coming in every single season. Oh, you're a dark horse college football playoff contender. Is this the year that Texas A&M can finally dethrone Alabama and win the SEC West? Now... You still have all those goals ahead of you. You can still make the college football playoffs because you do play in the SEC, the toughest conference in America. You do play in the SEC West, which is absolutely loaded. You still have a chance to not only make the playoffs, but win the conference in the division. So all your goals are ahead of you. But there are a lot of things that have to change and they need to change fast. But a lot of props goes out to Appalachian State on the upset. You know, this was a team that a week ago came close to beating North Carolina. So for Appalachian State and the rest of the Sun Belt Conference, because Georgia Southern upset Nebraska, and Nebraska was a 23-point favorite, Marshall upset Notre Dame, and Notre Dame was a 20-point favorite, so... Kudos to not just Appalachian State, but the whole entire Sun Belt Conference because they made a statement this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Now, you know what? I'm not done talking about Texas A&M because I have some more to say about Jimbo Fisher because this is ridiculous. There is no reason why Texas A&M should have any business losing to Appalachian State. No disrespect to Appalachian State, but Jimbo Fisher... I feel is the most overrated head coach in college football. And this isn't my first time saying this. I said this a couple of months ago during the offseason that I feel that Jameis Winston is the last elite level quarterback that Jimbo Fisher has had and has developed and produced in his offense. And Jimbo Fisher is labeled by many to be a quarterback whisperer now at one point you know this was true because prior to him having Jameis Winston he also had Christian Ponder and EJ Manuel so he had a pretty good run at one point but after Jameis Winston he hasn't really had any elite level quarterback play you had Sean McGuire you had DeAndre Francois who had a pretty decent one year but outside of that when's the last time Jimbo Fisher has produced a superstar level quarterback in his offense Kellen Mond was he was good but he wasn't a superstar he was on the same level as Ian Book they were really good quarterbacks but they weren't elite superstar level quarterbacks so for Jimbo Fisher he's been at Texas A&M for five years. And in his first 50 games at Texas A&M. He has a record of 35-15. and 15. You know what Kevin Sumlin's record was? His first 50 games at Texas A&M. It was 36-14. and 14. Now, I'm not trying to say that Kevin Sumlin and Jimbo Fisher are on the same level. Or anything like that. Because Jimbo Fisher still at the end of the day is a... 
championship winning coach. He is a really good recruiter. And I still feel he is a really good head coach. And I like the fact that Jimbo Fisher is really vocal and he doesn't hold back. But at the same time, he does have to make some changes to his offensive philosophy, his scheme, his play calling. And maybe he can go as far as, you know, giving up play calling. Because I think one of the toughest things to do as a head coach is to sacrifice play calling. Because it involves you having to let go some of your pride and swallowing a little bit of your ego. But I think for Jimbo Fisher, the game has kind of passed him by in the sense that he hasn't evolved his offense to the level needed to win the championship or to compete at a championship level. Like this bubble screen simplistic offense is holding back Texas and and the talent that they have. Because what's the point of recruiting five and four star quarterbacks and wide receivers if you're going to plug them into an offense that is just going to hinder their development and isn't going to maximize their talent. And I think for Jimbo Fisher, a large reason why Texas A&M still hasn't crossed that threshold yet and they haven't reached that ceiling of getting into the college football playoffs is because their offense hasn't been there. They haven't been explosive. You see, Michigan's offense was old school. It was throw back, run the football down your throat. But it was still explosive in a sense. It was an explosive offense when it came to what they got from the ground game. But they also could beat you through the air. But you look at Texas A&M's offense, it's like they have a okay ground game. They have produced pretty good running backs, but you haven't produced any Dalvin Cooks. I mean... Spiller was pretty good, but I mean, when you look at Texas A&M's offense, everybody's talent and potential is just being held down. And for Jimbo Fisher, I think for him, it's time for him to give up play calling and try to find somebody else who can do it better. And I think that's what makes some of the greatest head coaches great head coaches because they have to realize things that they may have to hand over to somebody else. Somebody else can do something else better than you can. And that isn't really a knock on you. Because as a head coach, there are plenty of things that you have to balance. Roster management, checking up on the players, the game plan, all that stuff. So there's nothing wrong with handing the responsibilities over to somebody else who can just do that at a very high level. And I can help you succeed as a head coach. But I don't really know what it is with Jimbo Fisher and his offense, but something has to change because you can't say, oh, we don't have the athletes no more because you have the athletes. You have talent on the offensive line. You have talent at wide receiver, running back. You have depth at the position. You're not hurting. You didn't under-recruit at the position. And I mean, you're recruiting four or five-star quarterbacks. So there's no reason why your offense should be producing at the level that it has. I mean, this is an offense that is still struggling to produce big plays downfield in the passing game. And in this day and age of college football, it has been more than easier 
to have an explosive offense when you have the talent that Texas A&M has. Literally, stop running these bubble screens and let these all these athletes that you recruit show you why they're athletes. Let them run downfield and catch some 20-yard drag routes. Or not drag routes, but like 20-yard outs. Or, you know, do something more than just these simplistic slants and stuff like that. Have some more advanced level passing concepts in your offense. But for Jimbo Fisher, if you're Jimbo Fisher stand, you can't make any more excuses for him. Because at this point, he's been at Texas A&M long enough where Texas A&M should not be underperforming to Appalachian State. And Appalachian State is not a great program. You feel me? They're a solid G5 school, but they're not like an elite level G5. They're okay G5, but, you know, for Texas A&M, this is a school that you should have handled pretty convincingly. But you didn't. And Jimbo Fisher has been at Texas A&M Long enough where, you know, five years is enough where you should already have your recruits and you should already be competing at a really high level. But yet, you're still struggling. And A&M had a head start. Because now look at all of the teams who have now kind of caught up to Texas A&M. Ole Miss, Arkansas. There are plenty of teams now that are close to catching up to almost beating or almost being the second best team in the SEC West. You know, it's still a gap talent-wise between A&M and everybody else. But at the same time, despite the fact that Texas A&M is so talented, they don't execute to the level that they should. And I think when you look at Jimbo Fisher, there's something that he is not doing that he should be doing. And it's holding bad Texas A&M. And I definitely feel like his play calling has to change. Or maybe he should just hand it over to somebody who can do it at a better level. But you guys let me know what you guys think about Jimbo Fisher. Is he holding bad Texas A&M? Is Texas A&M going to be able to get their offense fixed? Let me know down in the comment section down below.